Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. We're into the final month of the college football season, and only five undefeated teams remain. We've got Washington, Florida State, Georgia Bulldogs, and of course, the rivalry between Ohio State and the Connor Stallion sign-stealing scandal over at Michigan. If you use our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, using the link in the description to this episode at BetOnline Sportsbook, you can get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, then use that 50% welcome bonus to take a flyer on any of those five teams to win the national championship. BetOnline, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast, and podcasts aren't live. That's the whole purpose of this podcasting thing. You can listen however and whenever it is that you so choose, and we appreciate that you have decided to stop in however and whenever you might be listening on this wonderful NFL Monday Week nine and a half, week 10 in college, week nine in the NFL. Welcome, 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 everybody. This is going to be an NFL-centric show today because this might be one of the best NFL weekends in years. It is sometimes hard to melt this cold, cold heart when it comes to NFL action because we bash on bad football so much. And it's not even that bad football. We bash on mediocre football. We bash on mediocre against mediocre, mediocre against bad. Sometimes we bash on really good, beating the crap out of really bad. Or we laugh at mediocre teams that get the crap beaten out of them by very good teams. We are very big on making fun of the teams that won't end up mattering in January. And this week, we got the rare treat of having not just eight teams that will be playing into January playing in the same week. We had those eight teams playing against each other. Eight of the 11 best teams in the NFL not only played this weekend, played against each other. There were four awesome games that going into the week were set up to be awesome matchups. You had not just four incredible games, four incredible games in four different time slots. You had the early game in Germany. Then you had Baltimore-Seattle in the morning session or morning West Coast time. Then you had... 125 West Coast time, Cowboys versus Eagles, two of the four best teams in the NFC and playing in the same division. Sunday night, you had Buffalo against Cincinnati. Eight of the 11 best teams in the NFL playing against each other in the same weekend is a chef's kiss of excellent football. We might have to have two podcasts just to break it all down, depending on how the games go, because the first thing I got to talk about, and this is going to be a long game recap here is what I'm going to regard as, if not the game of the NFL season, the 
biggest stakes matchup of the NFL season, and that was, for some reason, something I had to wake up at 6.30 in the morning to watch. However, it was the game with maybe the highest stakes of the entire NFL season between the Miami Dolphins and the Kansas City Chiefs. So let's not delay any further. Let's talk about this football game. Mahomes and Kansas City won again. I always refer back to the Nick Wright tweet of, I would highly recommend having Patrick Mahomes be the quarterback of your favorite team. It's an utterly tremendous experience. 10 out of 10 would recommend. It is just excellent to know that you have Patrick Mahomes on your team. And you know what's even more excellent if you're a Kansas City fan? The fact that Kansas City just won a football game with defense. Like, they've done it sparsely in the past, where they've won games thanks to a play by their defense, or they've won games where they've held opponents to under 20 points. This was not only Kansas City winning, Kansas City winning with defense for not the first time this season either. Like, Kansas City has won a number of games this year by playing better defense than their offense was performing. Like, Kansas City holding Jacksonville to nine points in the second week of the season, that was a game that defense helped carry them. The game that they beat the Jets, that was defense stepping up in the fourth quarter after struggling at the start of the game. Like, this was kind of a bizarro game for Kansas City. If you've been someone like me who's been so fixated with Kansas City over the past four years, I've talked about this time and time again on this show, like, Kansas City is the modern Patriots. What they did for the past five years is equivalent to the second Patriots dynasty run. Now people will always point to how can they possibly be the Patriots when they only have two championships and have played in three Super Bowls. Look, you can't accomplish 16 years worth of stuff in six years. It's just not possible. They're on the way to doing it. We're going to look back a decade from now and I will have told you since 2019 that that's what Kansas City was going to be. We'll look back on it in 2032 and see that that it was true the whole way that they were the modern page they were the patriots all over again doing on offense what Kansas uh, what New England famously did to teams on defense and they did it with the greatest quarterback to ever play football and that part's not up for dispute there's numbers that back this up however so because of this I've been fixated by Patrick Mahomes and fixated by Kansas City for years If you're watching this on YouTube, which you can't because it's a podcast and I don't live stream things on YouTube, I'm wearing a Patrick Mahomes jersey as we speak right now. That's It's the only football jersey I currently own in my apartment. Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City are so interesting because a lot of their games have always been about if the offense doesn't convert a touchdown every single time because there have been games there have been years that Kansas City does not have the number one offense in the NFL case in point this year in DVOA rankings Kansas City is I believe going into Sunday ranked third I can double check real quick but Kansas City yeah Kansas City uh, offensive ranking is currently fifth in the NFL going into Sunday and that was before 
everything that happened to them in the last game. Uh, DVOA rankings going into the week. Kansas City was 5, Baltimore was 4, Buffalo was 3, San Francisco 2, and number 1 in the league, the number 1 offense in the league, the Miami Dolphins. The team playing Kansas City, and playing Kansas City kind of like how we expect Kansas City to look against other defenses, like just incorporating ridiculous amounts of motion, quick throws where you're watching the screen and you see, I believe it was Ahmed in the backfield, and then you see Cedric Wilson going in motion behind the quarterback, and then the ball gets snapped and it's out in two seconds, and Jalen Waddle has a catch and it's somehow turning into a 12-yard completion or a 17-yard completion. You're seeing zone running schemes that break open 25-yard runs for Raheem Mostert in the fourth quarter. Like, the Dolphins' offense is looking like how we're used to watching Kansas City's offense look. And Kansas City's offense, particularly in the second half of that game, gave them almost nothing. And this is the thing, like, if you're someone on the West Coast like me, and you woke up at 7 a.m., and that would be 8 a.m. because of the whole time change thing or whatever, but say you woke up at 7 a.m. and jumped into that football game when it was 7 to nothing, Kansas City in the lead. If you're watching that game, Kansas City looked fairly pedestrian on offense the entire game. Their play calling was almost counterintuitive to what Kansas City does on the offensive side of the ball. With a two point or with a seven point lead, this is the second to last possession Kansas City had in the game. With a seven point lead and five minutes left to play, Kansas City had a second down and ten. At their own 40-yard line, they called a dive up the middle on the run, on 2nd and 10. And the thing I've said for years, don't ever run the ball on 2nd and 10, especially when you're moving into the opponent's territory and you're in that kind of like half 4-down territory range. Don't ever run it on 2nd and 10. Even if it works out the way you're hoping it does, it's still third and five. You have one play to get a medium play, and especially if you're the Kansas City offense predicated on the middle of the field routes and Kelsey creating space and Mahomes being able to buy time for receivers to get open in the middle of the field. Like Especially if you're Kansas City's offense, don't run the ball up the middle on second and 10. Don't run the ball ever on second and 10, but specifically don't call a dive up the middle for Lamage Pirine. Like, that was an atrocious play call. And then the third and nine was the one where they, like, double Kelsey in the middle, and then Mahomes throws it over the top looking for Valdez Scantling at, like, the 15-yard line, and the, the Miami defender makes a great play on the ball. But, like, just a terrible play call by Kansas City at the end of the game. Terrible play calling, poor execution. On the, the next possession, on third and one, Uh, Like, needing to end the game on third and one, they call a fake play to Mahomes, Kelsey gets double teamed, and then Mahomes just throws it away incomplete with two minutes and 30 seconds left to play. Like, just an awful job by Kansas City on the offensive side of the ball. Kansas City had a, a third and 10 that Mahomes almost converted. Uh, that was the play where they Van Ginkle gets the hit out of bounds, and they wanted a penalty, but they didn't get a penalty, and Dan Orlovsky, who was for some reason on NFL Network, but whatever that may be, Dan Orlovsky was pointing out it should have been a penalty. Um, on the third and 20, Mahomes not only gets sacked, he gets strip-sacked by Bradley Chubb, 
And Patrick Mahomes, like one of his calling cards that goes quietly underrated with him being the best quarterback in the NFL, beyond the fact that when defenses play over the top on him, he's able to come back and, for example, complete 16 passes in a row in the short and intermediate throws. That's something that he did all last season is complete 16. Like defenses said, we're going to take the top off of defenses, play two high safeties. Uh, The two high safety defensive movement in the NFL basically started because of that 2021 season when teams figured out how to slow down Patrick Mahomes and Tariq Hill for about half a season. Like the entire movement of two high safeties beginning from Kansas City gets put into motion. And what does Patrick Mahomes do Uh, against the Texans last year? 20 consecutive completions underneath, taking what the defense gives him underneath. 16 consecutive completions in the Super Bowl against the Eagles. Uh, In the game a couple weeks ago against the Chargers, he had like 20 consecutive completions in that game. Like that's the, the, and the thing that he also does is avoid taking sacks. And for him to, on 3rd and 20, get strip-sacked by Bradley Chubb, for him on 3rd and 1 to essentially get sacked but throw the ball away at the end of the game, which, honestly, you could make the case that based on field positioning, the sack would have taken 20 seconds off the clock. I think the throwaway was probably the better move, but in that situation, scrambling and just trying to get as close to the line of scrimmage as you can and taking the sack might have been the better play. Like, Patrick Mahomes just had some bad plays in that game. The offense had some terrible play calling by Kansas City. Things that we're just not used to seeing from a Kansas City offense. Coming off of a week last week, and we didn't really talk about this game all that much other than pointing out the Broncos' successes, Kansas City scored nine points against the Denver Bronco defense. And then they came out this week and essentially scored seven points in the final... If you take out the first five minutes of the game, essentially the last 55 minutes of that entire game, they scored seven points on the offensive side of the ball. And play calling was terrible. The receivers were all just intermediate guys. And I give the Dolphins a lot of credit because it takes a lot of cojones to say, we're going to triple team Travis Kelsey. We're going to dare you to beat us with Valdez Scantling. We're going to dare you to beat us with Noah Gray. We're going to dare you to beat us with Rasheed Rice. Sky Moore had a couple intermediate catches in the game. Like they basically said, try anything. We're going to rush the passer, double or triple team Travis Kelsey, dare you to beat us with anyone else. And most of the time it was single coverage with their corners. And granted, the Dolphins have normally very good corners. Now in this game, they they were without um, they were without Xavier Howard and they were without Javon Holland. But under normal circumstances, the Dolphins would be a team that has exceptional cornerback play. If you take that away, the Dolphins like didn't really have like the best cornerback room in the league. Like they had a pretty league average cornerback room with Jalen Ramsey and some guys who were backups prior to the week before like the Dolphins balled out with essentially backup corners playing for their team and it was really really interesting to watch that in real time because Kansas City's offense and specifically Kansas City's offensive play calling looked really bad in that game and because again the the Tariq Hill fumble that was then pitched to or recovered by Edwards and pitched to Cook and led to a touchdown like that was a defensive score Kansas City essentially scored seven points in on offense in it for most of a game that they had to win in order to get 
the playoff positioning that they needed. Because the reason I said off the top that this is a game that, if not the most important game in the NFL season, it ha- or the, the biggest game of the NFL season, it had the biggest stakes of any game this season. Because going into this week, all of your division winners are 6-2. and two. Kansas City 6 and 2, Dolphins are 6 and 2, Jacksonville 6 and 2, Baltimore 6 and 2. Buffalo's sitting there at 5 and 3. Now that the Dolphins are 6 and 3, Buffalo can get right back in this game with a win against Cincinnati and then uh I we're recording this before that game happens as we normally do, but Buffalo could get a win against Cincinnati, be tied with the Dolphins, have the tiebreaker against Miami and then be one win at Miami away from locking up that division that seemed like it was Miami's to lose until about 2 weeks ago. And the reason why this game was so important is this was a playoff seeding game. Like this this all these teams are going to make the playoffs. All the teams I just mentioned, the Dolphins, the Jaguars, the Ravens, Kansas City, Buffalo, all of those teams are going to make the playoffs. And Kansas City is the team that we think of as like, "Hey, you four are 2 through 5 trying to give Kansas City your best punch." Cuz Kansas City has the greatest offensive coach in the history of the NFL and the greatest quarterback to ever pick up a football. And you can figure out the rest from there. And by the way, this year's Kansas City team has a top five defense in the NFL. So Kansas City now has the best defense, even if they don't play as well the rest of the season. The best defense in terms of DVO ranking Kansas City has ever had was ranked 10th. That was the year they won the first Super Bowl in 2019. In the entire Patrick Mahomes-Andy Reid era, which this is now year six, of Mahomes and Andy Reid. The best defense they've ever had was ranked 10th in the NFL. This year's defense is before the Dolphins game 5th in DVOA and had the second best scoring defense in the NFL. And by the way, a scoring defense that only allowed 14 points to the Dolphins and a scoring defense that got a strip 6 on Tariq Hill in that game. So I don't know where their defensive rankings are going to look like at the end of the week, but this is a legitimate top. This is the best defense Patrick Mahomes has ever had. And the reason I brought up the seeding a second ago is that this is, uh, even though Kansas city has the same record as these teams going into the week, we all regard Kansas city as number one for the reasons we just outlined. They have the greatest offensive coach in the history of the NFL, greatest quarterback to ever pick up a football, Travis Kelsey, future hall of fame, tight end. They've Bent, they've hosted the AFC Championship game five years in a row. That's an NFL record. Only two teams have ever been to five straight AFC Championship games. Patriots played two of them on the road. Kansas City played all of them on their home building. Kansas City has those that working for them and the best defense they've had in the six years of the Mahomes-Andy Reid era working in their favor. We all regard Kansas City as the number one team in the AFC. They're the team that those four teams are chasing. However, if Kansas City doesn't beat the Dolphins, Dolphins are going to be hosting that playoff game against Kansas City. Whether it's in the divisional round, whether it's in the AFC championship game, whether it never ends up happening in the first place. If the Dolphins are going to get to the Super Bowl, at some point they're going to have to go through Kansas City. And if they had beaten Kansas City this week, they would have probably gotten to host that playoff game against Kansas City. If Buffalo were to beat Kansas City when they play each other in December, then Buffalo would have a puncher's chance of getting the number one seed in 
the AFC. If Jacksonville had beaten Kansas City in week two, Jacksonville would be sitting at seven and one, and they would have the tiebreaker against Kansas City, so they would have a pretty damn good chance of getting the number one seed in the AFC. And if the Dolphins had beaten Kansas City, that would have been for seeding in their playoff matchup, most likely. Wouldn't have been a guarantee, 70 to 80% sure that the winner of these games would ultimately host a playoff matchup in January. Whether it's in the divisional round, whether it's in the AFC Championship, whatever it might be, this would be playing for seeding based on Kansas City, you know, most likely only losing one to two games the rest of the season. Like Kansas City's going to be either 14 and 3 or 13 and 4, and it's you're going to be hard pressed to find any team in the AFC that's going to finish with a full game of wins better than Kansas City because everyone already has two losses. Jacksonville has two, Baltimore has two, the ja- the Dolphins now have 3. Buffalo has three, Cincinnati has three at the time of recording this because either Buffalo or Cincinnati has four by the time you are hearing this because they're playing each other. Maybe they tied, but most likely one of them has four. This was a game to decide seeding, and the stakes on that are pretty big because, again, Kansas City's offense is looking pedestrian. Kansas City's offense is looking like Patrick Mahomes can make up for butts so much, but teams have just decided why are we like daring them to beat us with Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore and any of these alternating receivers? Because the thing that I give Mahomes credit for is he spreads the wealth on that. It's always like nine different players are getting catches for Kansas City. There was a stretch last year when they were trying this same strategy out of the revolving door of receivers around Travis Kelsey. There were times where Patrick Mahomes in a two-game stretch had 20 different players that made a catch at some point in the game. This was a game where I believe eight different players had a catch for Kansas City, and that doesn't even include Isaiah Pacheco, who didn't have a catch in this game. But Kansas City was in this, uh, let me count real quick. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten players for Kansas City had a target, eight had catches. LaMichael Pirine didn't have a catch, Isaiah Pacheco didn't have a catch. They are going through five receivers, three tight ends, three running backs every single week getting involved in some capacity of the offense. The leading target getter for Kansas City in this game, Justin Watson, who had five total targets. Tyreek Hill had 10 for the Dolphins. Jalen Waddell had six for the Dolphins. This is a offense predicated on everyone is going to get some sort of alternating, you know, alternating into the offense. And teams are basically saying none of them are playmakers. You can try eight players. You can try nine players. None of them are playmakers enough to deter us from double teaming Kelsey. And in some cases, triple teaming Kelsey in a zone defense and just having a man always following Kelsey. And I give the Dolphins credit. That was a strong game plan. It wasn't the only reason they held Kansas City to essentially seven points on offense for most of the game, but it was definitely one of the reasons. Once they got through the scripted plays, Kansas City had seven points on offense. Awful play calling by Andy Reid 
and you know however involved Matt Nagy is in the play calling which I hope is basically nothing at all because we saw what Matt Nagy maybe this is why they're running the ball so goddamn much now maybe it's because Matt Nagy is getting involved in the offense maybe that's why they're running it so goddamn much or maybe it's just that the receivers are truly that that strugglesome because Tariq Hill by himself has essentially the same output this season as the entire Kansas City receiving core combined and so Kansas City's in this unique position where they needed that win really badly just like they needed that win against Jacksonville for for playoff seeding because if you flip one of those results one of those teams has one loss or two losses and Kansas City would have three at this point which means Patrick Mahomes is going to have to play a road playoff game for the first time in his career. But because they won with defense, giving them 14 points against Jacksonville, giving them for most of the game seven points against the Dolphins on offense, defense won Kansas City those games against Jacksonville and Miami. And defense has won games Kansas City in in spurts. Last year's AFC Championship game came down to a defensive play, the, the the Chris Jones sack of Joe Burrow in a tie game that gave them the ball back and a chance to go kick the game-winning field goal to beat the Bengals. Like Defense has given them moments. Defense has given them plays. Defense has also costed them in moments. Defense has also costed them on plays, like D4 jumping off sides to beat, Can- to beat New England in 2018. Defense has cost them. Defense has helped them, but there's never been a game where the reason they won against a a team that they might face in the AFC Championship game while Patrick Mahomes is playing like crap, the reason they won is defense. That has not happened in this run for Kansas City. Not during the, the 2020 Super Bowl run, not during the year that they went to the Super Bowl and lost to Tom Brady. They have not beaten a team of the caliber of Miami where the offense played poorly and defense was the reason that they won. And that's something that's scary to figure out because they still on the offensive side of the ball have the greatest offensive coach in the history of the NFL, the greatest quarterback ever, and maybe the greatest tight end in the history of the NFL. Like, say what you may about their only addition to the receiving core being Nicole Hardman. Or say what you will about them rotating in a revolving door of receivers, tight ends, and running backs on all these different possessions. Like, regardless of that point, like, Kansas City has the same players that stepped up in the playoffs last year with Sky Moore getting a touchdown in the Super Bowl, Kadarius Toney returning a punt and scoring a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Like, those players are still there. The players that last year were big-timers in the playoffs... Those guys are still there. The offense is still top five in the league despite those shortcomings. Kansas City is going to figure this out on offense. They have a better chance than any other team in the league of turning around their offensive shortcomings. However, they have a defense that is legitimately able to support them against the best offenses in the NFL. And that's something that I don't think Kansas City has been able to say for years This is the best defense of the Mahomes-Andy Reid era. And this defense beat the Dolphins, beat the Jaguars, and because they were responsible for those wins specifically, is going to be responsible for why Kansas City is going to host a playoff game. Because in the past five runs where Kansas City's hosted five consecutive AFC Championship games, Kansas City has never been able to say, we played poorly on offense for an extended period of time. 
and therefore we did not get the number one seed. Like, they would not be able to say that in the past. This is the first time they can say, we are not performing at the top of the league level offense that we've had for the last five years. Because they've never finished below fourth in the league in offense for an entire season. They were fifth going into a week where they scored 14 points on offense. Like, Kansas City is probably going to be outside the top five in offense at the end of this week. This is the worst defense, or this is the worst offense that they've had. And it's, again, it's within a vacuum, right? It's the worst offense Kansas City has had from the greatest offenses in the history of the NFL. They're still going to be ranked six or seven or eight in the NFL in offense. And they'll probably improve that with one game played against who's who's an easy opponent they play next. Uh, they've got the Raiders coming up at some point. Yeah, one game against the Raiders will correct that for them. Who's the next? Oh, they play the Eagles. That's right. They get a bye week and then they play the Eagles. Then they play the Raiders and then they play the Packers. So like those two games against the Raiders and Packers will correct that offensive woes. Oh, they got two games against the Raiders still. Yeah, those Raiders games will be used to correct those offensive woes for Kansas City. However, with the worst defense... In, or sorry, with the worst offense in the six years of the Patrick Mahomes era, they now have the best defense in the Patrick Mahomes-Andy Reid era. And that dichotomy is the reason why they're still going to have a top five offense at the end of the season, I would suspect. They have a better chance than any other team of having a top five offense at the end of the season. Kansas City will have a top five offense and a top 10 defense. And the only other time they've had that, they won a Super Bowl in 2019. And this defense is better than that defense from 2019. That was a technicality that they finished 10th in the league in team defense. Because if I remember correctly, I believe they're 21st in 2018, 10th in 2019, 20-something in 2020, or maybe they were in the teens in 2021. And then last year, they are in 20, yeah, in 2020 the year that they went to the Super Bowl against Tampa. 2021, they were in the 20s. Last year, they were in the, I think they were 18th in team defense. So like, yeah, Kansas City is figuring this thing out on the fly. But like, they have a legitimately good defense and a legitimately good defense that last year had five of their 12 starters. I put starters in air quotes because nickel corner isn't technically a starter, but it plays a lot. Five of their 12 starters were either rookies or second year players. And now those rookies and second-year players are the foundation of this defense, along with Chris Jones. They are Legereus Sneed, Trent McDuffie, Mike Edwards, Nick Bolton when healthy, George Karloffis. They are a youthful team on defense. And because of the players that they've hit on in the draft and put in positions to succeed on the defensive side of the ball, they now have the best defense and a young defense. It's not the youngest defense they've ever had, but they have the best defense with a lot of players on rookie contracts all together for two seasons of continuity. And I think that's part of why you're seeing this be the best Kansas City defense in the league and why that defense is directly responsible for why Kansas City is going to get the one seed this year. They wouldn't be able to get the one seed without Patrick Mahomes, and they wouldn't be able to get the one seed without the offense still performing at a top of the league level. But this is not the Kansas City offense that we said for years can just fart out 30 points against any opponent in the league. They've only scored 30 points twice this year twice one was against the bears one was against the chargers 
This is not that offense for Kansas City. They are not able to just put up points at will like they have in previous seasons. And that's concerning for them once they get to the playoffs. But it was also a concern last year, right? Like they had problems uh, going into the Super Bowl, in part because Patrick Mahomes had basically a broken ankle. But going into the Super Bowl, they had problems with what was happening. They they had problems going into the Super Bowl with like, hey, are they going to be able to score enough points to compete with with Cincinnati or with the Eagles? And they got it done in those moments, and that's the reason they won the Super Bowl. They haven't shown that they can do that this year. And we have a large enough sample size to say this is an above-average offense, but it's an above-average offense with the league MVP. And the reason, and because they have an above-average offense is the reason they're even in a position for the one seed in the first place. If they had a league-average offense, this wouldn't be something in the realm of possibility for Kansas City. But because they have Patrick Mahomes and a defense that has carried them in games where the offense has faltered, Kansas City's in a position to get the number one seed in the AFC and host the AFC Championship game for the sixth year in a row. And regardless of whether they host an AFC Championship game or host a divisional round game or get a first round bye, because like the year that they lost to Cincinnati in the AFC Championship game, they didn't have a first round bye that year. They were the two seed. Do you remember who they played? In that wild card game, I bet you don't, because they outgained the Pittsburgh Steelers 340 to seven in the first half of that game. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it was like 200 and something yards for Kansas City compared to 40 for the Steelers in a wild card game. Like, there's the, the wild card is not a problem for them. What's more important to them beyond the number one seed or hosting a sixth consecutive AFC Championship game is playing the Dolphins at home playing the Jaguars at home. If they get a win in December, play the Buffalo Bills at home. Those three things are way more valuable to Kansas City than a regular season record or a first-round buy. Because Miami, Buffalo, Jacksonville, and Baltimore all are going to give their best punch at Kansas City this year. And Kansas City is not this unbeatable giant like they were in 2020 when they went to the Super Bowl and lost to Tampa. They just steamrolled the AFC that year. In 2019, when they won the Super Bowl, they steamrolled the AFC. That ain't Kansas City right now. Kansas City's not the best team in the NFL, but they're also the best team in the NFL because they have Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and a 7-2 and record. But all of our DVOA stats, all of our expected win-loss record stats, they're showing us by performance this year, Kansas City is not is a very, very good team, but they are they can be beaten by Miami, by Buffalo, by Jacksonville, by Baltimore. They they can be caught. If those teams give their best punch in the biggest moments, they can get caught lacking just like the Bengals caught them lacking in that playoff game a couple years ago where Kansas City had a 20-0 lead and they got caught lacking and then the Bengals came back to win because defense didn't put them in a position to succeed. And maybe this year is where that'll be different because, again, defense is the reason they won that game against the Dolphins. And even though the Dolphins didn't play their best version on offense, Kansas City's defense came through clutch. Clutch, I tell you. Clutch. At the end of the game... The end of the second half, the two drives where Mahomes punted, 
back to the Dolphins. They came up clutch. And the defense is the reason they beat the Jaguars, and it's the reason that they beat the Dolphins, and those two wins have been the most valuable for that team than any anything they've done this year. The most important thing for Kansas City is those two results against teams that if they had gotten home field advantage playing Mahomes' first road playoff game, that would have swung the tides exponentially in those teams' favor. If those four teams are going to be chasing Kansas City, at the very least, Kansas City needs home field advantage taking on those teams. They'll probably win a road playoff game, but they don't want to play at Miami. They sure as hell don't want to play at Miami in the playoffs. It would be way nicer if they could go and play at their home stadium. Are you also the first home playoff game the Dolph- the second home playoff game the Dolphins have had in 25 years? Yeah, they don't want that smoke. They would much rather play a sixth straight AFC Championship game on their home field. So Kansas City is on the fast track to the number 1 seed in the AFC and it is because of their defense. How interesting is that? Speaking of football teams being carried by their defense, shouts out to you, all of you, on that Baltimore Ravens defense. Because the Baltimore Ravens put the hurt on the Seattle Seahawks. This was one of those games that was in our group of must-watch games. This was Jim Nance and Tony Romo. This was the game in a 10 o'clock West Coast time block that was supposed to be boring except for this one game. And then it turned out this game was a blowout. And then every other game was just cocaine-fueled chaos at the end. There were like four games at the end of the witching hour that were all right at the end, back-to-back-to-back, touchdown drives and two-minute drills and Kirk Cousins purgatories and all sorts of shit like that. Meanwhile, the Baltimore Ravens were over here beating the brakes off of the Seattle Seahawks. And like we just talked about in the last segment, Kansas City is the number one team because they've played in five consecutive AFC championship games and you're going up against the greatest offensive head coach in the history of the NFL and the greatest quarterback to ever pick up a football on that offensive side of the ball. So even if Kansas City is going to be ranked six, seven, eight in the league in offense this year, we know what they're capable of. We know what their reputation precedes. And most of the teams at this point, because Kansas City's seven and two, most of the teams in the AFC would have to play a road playoff game at Arrowhead at some inevitable point in order for them to make it to the the uh, to, to the Super Bowl or the AFC Championship game or whatever the situation. They will have to beat Kansas City on Kansas City's home field. We know this. Kansas City is the best team in the AFC, best team in football, despite the fact that analytically they have been somewhere in the group of two to five this season in terms of best teams in football, depending on the stat of choice that you may be looking at. In terms of strictly performance on the field through eight games this season, which is not indicative of who the best team in the league is, Kansas City is somewhere between two and five. I say all that to say Baltimore just might be the best team in the NFL. 
in terms of only looking at the eight to nine game sample size of the entire season and taking nothing else into account. Going into this week, the Baltimore Ravens had the number one defense in the NFL. They held the Seattle Seahawks to three points on offense. The Seattle Seahawks team that going into this week was ranked ninth in the league in offensive DVOA and top 10 in the league in scoring offense. They held that Seahawks team to three points. They held Kenneth Walker to nine carries on 16 yards. And by the way, Baltimore's defense accumulated three turnovers of the Seattle Seahawks. And it was an excellent, excellent performance by the Baltimore defense. Baltimore played an excellent, excellent football game. And Baltimore's in this unique position at this point where Baltimore is playing like the best team in the NFL. And like we talked about last week, they might be driving their fans absolutely insane at this point of the season. Just gotta be going insane if you're Baltimore at this point because you know you have the best team, maybe you have the best defense in the NFL. Lamar Jackson might be an MVP front runner. Like he might be the MVP front runner at this point of the season. It is incredible how good he has played and how good the Baltimore Ravens have played so far this year. And they also will probably have to play a road playoff game at Kansas City or a road playoff game at the Jacksonville Jaguars that they could have avoided if they had just beaten Mike Tomlin. If they had just beaten Mike Tomlin, and if they had just not collapsed at home against Gardner Minshew's Indianapolis Colts, they were so close to avoiding Kansas City to getting the number one seed in the AFC for hosting a potential playoff game against Kansas City, which is still in the realm of possibility. I'm not saying it's out of the question. They have the same record as Kansas City right now. They could win a bullshit tiebreaker. But Baltimore is so close to having the best team in the regular season and the number one seed in the AFC. And I know those things don't always correlate to each other, the San Francisco 49ers are technically speaking the most talented team in the AF in the NFC and they are 5 and 3. So like these things don't always correlate in terms of successes to record. But Baltimore is real damn close to being the best team in the AFC, or sorry, the best team in football by performance this season and being good enough to get the number 1 seed in the AFC host a playoff game that would eventually be Patrick Mahomes' first road playoff game. Baltimore is that close to being that team. And with the number one defense in the NFL, they're looking like they have a chance to make it to a deep playoff run. But they also might have to travel on the road to Kansas City, at which point we might have to stop and question Baltimore, even though they have the best defense in the NFL and a quarterback that might be the MVP frontrunner through nine games of the season. All right. It is that time of the week where we award the Kirk Cousins Purgatory Award Awarded every single week to the team that finds themselves and the quarterback that finds themselves down six, no timeouts, one minute to play, needing to go the length 
of the field. And we had a couple truly, truly incredible games in the 10 o'clock window of the red zone. You had C.J. Stroud. Hats off to you, man. C.J. Stroud looks like he is an NFL quarterback for years to come, man. Shout out to C.J. Stroud. Just incredible two-minute drill. Baker Mayfield went down to to take the lead with 40 seconds to play. Stroud got the ball back, 40 seconds, two timeouts, went down, scored the game-winning touchdown when they needed four points. Joshua Dobbs leading the win for Kirk Cousins in his place. The filling the Kirk Cousins void is Joshua Dobbs, not in Kirk Cousins' purgatory because they had two timeouts and a minute to play, but they went the length of the field to win the game with 20 seconds to play against the Falcons in a game that would basically decide which team was the front runner for the seventh playoff spot in the NFC. The Vikings got it done. Joshua Dobbs is going to get Justin Jefferson back next week. The Vikings might have a chance. Just impeccable performances by both of them. Neither qualifies for Kirk Cousins purgatory though because they had their timeouts they had their offenses I just want to give a big old shout out to CJ Stroud and Joshua Dobbs for leading those two minute drill victories the other two games in that 10 o'clock window that did end in Kirk Cousins purgatory means that we have two winners this week two true Kirk Cousins purgatory situations one my guy Tyson Bagent for the Chicago Bears Uh, that was a bit of a tough performance by you and uh the bears did not run a single play in saints territory the entire second half of that game the bears or the saints not a single play was ran in saints territory they turned the ball over three times it was really a bad game and tyson bajan ended up down seven no timeouts two minutes to go trying to lead a game winner and the second Kirk Cousins purgatory with three down three no timeouts needing to go the length of the field is uh, Mr. McCorkle Mac Jones Washington losing Washington beat the Patriots at the Patriots and it wasn't surprising think how much that has changed over the past few years Washington went into New England was favored in New England and beat New England and we weren't really surprised that it happened because Mac Jones found himself in Kirk Cousins purgatory for the fourth time in his three year career so that's our winners for the week an incredible witching hour that ends with McCorkle Jones and Tyson Bagent claiming their Kirk Cousins purgatory awards for week number nine I think we got to put a pin in it right there you guys I mean there's only really two games left in the football window here and that's the Cowboys and Eagles and the Bengals taking on the Bills but there's just so much stuff to break down today that we got to put a pin in it right here and we'll come back around just in case something crazy happens in those games so stay tuned to the Take It Easy podcast feed we might have a couple episodes dropping either Monday morning or on Tuesday depending on the outcome of these Cowboys and Eagles games and the Buffalo Cincinnati game we might have a bonus episode coming through this week Uh, the London game and Kansas City Miami being the game of the year changed our algorithm rhythm and our our way of planning out this episode so you just might get some double nfl monday this week coming at you stay tuned to the take it easy podcast feed leave a like five star review downloads all of that greatly appreciated to support our dreams and you guys are continuing to come through in supporting our dreams we thank you for that and for supporting our dreams we just might double up the content this week we might go back to a monday through friday format for just this week because there's just so much stuff going on 
that we got to take the time to break down as uh, we find time within our busy, busy schedule of working full-time job in radio and giving you guys the content three to four days a week that you guys have absolutely come through to support. So we might have five episodes this week, five episodes here on the Take It Easy podcast. You guys have continued to support us and we appreciate that you are supporting our dreams. We had a lot of fun today. This is the most invigorated I've been by an NFL Monday podcast in weeks, and I'm glad we got a chance to share it with all of you here today. So we will talk to you again either today, tomorrow, or Wednesday. Stay tuned to the Take It Easy podcast feed for all of our wonderful content. We'll talk to you again soon. In the meantime, take it easy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.